would help if I have a mic. So, Saj welcomes me and then says, just shout, you'll make your way through. So, morning everyone. So, this morning we continue with our series of ABC, Authentic Biblical Community. And this morning what we'll be sharing about is a serving community. And uh, underscoring that is love your neighbor as yourself. So, we're going to look into this and we're going to we're going to just see what the Word says about this. So, why don't we get stuck right in? Can you turn with me to Galatians 5, verse 13 to 14 is what we're going to start off reading there. So, it says this. For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Such an interesting perspective of these three things in one dynamic that we look into, which is what we've received, this freedom. What shall we do with it? Is it we love one another and serve one another? And then there's this command that kind of is a commissioning into action, which is love your neighbor as yourself. See, the context that Paul is speaking into here is he's writing to the Galatians church where there was this conflict between the Judaizers, so those are the Jewish Christians um, of Jewish background, and then the Gentiles, which is pretty much everybody else. And then there's this conflict about the law and the emphasis of the law. Paul writes into this context and says, what Jesus Christ did on the cross was enough to make us right with God. There is nothing else. And then he moves on and he says, you are justified by faith. And then by this scripture here, he's answering this question. He says, the question is, if therefore we are free, what do we do with this question of perhaps there is this going to be the situation where there's this moral degeneration? And he answers this and says, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for your flesh, but through love serve one another. And then he says, the law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So he answers those, those questions and then he commands them, he commissions them into action. This is quite similar and, in, in cons- and consistent with what Jesus Christ said to the disciples. He said this in John 13, verse uh, 34 to 35. He says, So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You shall love each other. For your love, oh, let me read this again. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So we see this word that John, that Paul is saying to the disciples. And this word in John that Jesus Christ is saying to the disciples. Paul is saying to the Galatians church, Jesus Christ is saying to the disciples, consistent with one another. So reading these texts, there are two things that come up to me. If we are meant to be a people that is serving one another, people that are serving each other in love, I've got to ask myself this question. Where am I? Am I serving? And I've got to ask myself this question. What does it look like to serve? What does it mean? How do I act this out? So I'm wanting to pose this question to us as a church. And we're going to look at scripture and see from scripture what scripture tells us and what we can take out of it. So won't you turn with me to Philippians. We're going to read from Philippians 2 verse 5 to 8. It says this. Have this in mind amongst yourselves which is yours in Jesus Christ, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in likeness of men, 
and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is quite a powerful scripture that tells us that if we want to be servants and want to be a people that are serving community, there's no other example that we've got to look to but Jesus Christ. There's no greater example. We can find many other examples in life and people around us, but there's no ultimate example other than Jesus Christ. And we're going to dig deeper into some examples that we can see from Scripture about how God, Jesus Christ, lived. And this is a Scripture that um, we all know, and I'm hoping to encourage us, and hopefully we see from a different perspective today, that um, when Jesus washed the disciples' feet. So we're going to move there and read there from John 13, verse 1 to 17. start reading from verse 1 it says now before the feast of the Passover when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father having loved his own who were in the world he loved them to the end during supper when the devil had already put in the heart of Jesus of Judas Iscariot Simon's son to betray him Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around them. We move on to verse 12 and it said, When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord and you are right, for so I am. If then your teacher and Lord have, if I then, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should also do, just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. It's a scripture we know very, very well, but such a powerful thing, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, is he knows that he's going to the cross. He knows that he's about to be betrayed, but he chooses to serve these very people. He washes their feet. Such an incredible, it's almost like a, these things don't go together, but it tells us a little bit about something about Jesus and serving. So first we're going to look into this act of washing feet a bit. That I think we can draw some parallels that we can help us understand what it means to be a servant, what it means to be a servant community. And the first point is this, is that at that time, washing feet was a common courtesy. It wasn't abnormal. It wasn't something that, that wasn't a norm and that they, to us it might seem bizarre or uncommon. I've never seen that. I've never had to wash anybody's feet. I've never had it done to me. But at that time it was quite normal. It was normal for people to be journeying along, and even if they left their house and their feet were clean, the roads would have been dusty, perhaps muddy if it was raining. By the time they got to whoever they were going to, their feet were dirty. And it was common practice during that day that whoever you were going to, they would greet you with a kiss on the forehead, they would anoint your face with oil, and then there'd be someone who washes your feet. So that wasn't uncommon. But what was uncommon was that at that time, the master of the house would not be the one who was washing their feet. So this thing that Jesus, their Lord and Savior, 
their teacher, their master, washing their feet is absolutely turning things upside down. The norm of the day was that there was a servant or there was a slave in the house, and they would do that. So it was a level, it was a menial job that wasn't done by someone who was Lord. So that's the first point. Then we move on to the next point. I can imagine this was not a pleasant experience. I can imagine that it was uncomfortable, it was awkward, perhaps it was humiliating, but I feel it was also a humbling and a moving experience. I can imagine the person getting their feet washed. There was something that happened when they were getting this, unless you were a pompous person, feeling, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm higher than you. There was something that happened. And definitely the person washing the feet. See, at this time, I feel like it's a, it's a point where you are almost exposing one another, almost vulnerable to one another. It's quite an encounter. I've never done this. I've never been in a place where someone's washing my feet. I've never been in a place where I'm washing someone else's feet. But I feel there was a humility in this act. There was something there that Jesus was trying to teach him in this case. Then the third point is, washing feet is very symbolic of servanthood. It is such a picture of servanthood, and we're going to get into it a little bit about, about what can we grab about this within this picture. In verse 8, we skipped over it, but um, in verse 8 it, sa it says, Peter answered and he said, Lord. Peter objected to Jesus washing their feet. He said, you shall never wash my feet. You see, what Peter was seeing is this hierarchical system. It was this thing that, that you are my master, you are my teacher, you are my Lord. I can't accept you doing that. It's, it's just not done. You, I am your student. I can wash your feet, but you can't do that. And there's something in this that links a little bit to us and in our lives. You see, as I said earlier on, is that during that time, people would be journeying on foot. Yes, there might have been donkeys and carts, but it was quite a normal thing that people would be journeying on foot. And they'd get dirty along this journey. And so too in our lives, in our journey, there's this, life wears us down. Life wears us down. And Jesus was saying something through this act. He said, I came to wash dirty feet. I came to wash dirty feet. And something happens throughout life. Man, we could tell more stories, each and every one of us. We get into situations, perhaps you've lost your job, perhaps there's issues in your marriage, perhaps you're struggling with sin. The, the perhaps could carry on until the end of this service. And we too need someone who's just going to wash our feet at times. So Jesus asks this question in verse 12. He says, do you understand what I have done for you? So he was, he was asking the disciples, do you understand what this act is? And quite, quite clearly the answer is no. They didn't get it. We too wouldn't get it unless we, unless we read a little bit deeper into the scripture. What Jesus was saying is that this is who I am. This is why I've come to the earth. This explains the cross. I came as a servant. I came to cleanse dirty feet. I came to take your mess and purify it. So it was quite a picture of what Jesus was and his life was a life of servanthood. So the answer is, clearly we don't understand. But we've got to seek what God is telling us. We've got to understand God more to hear from him what he's saying. So Jesus carries on and he, he gives us two things. He gives a command and then he gives a promise. So the command comes in um, 
in verse 15, he says, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. He says, this is, this is the example. So therefore, this is what you shall do. And quite beautifully after that, he follows with a promise. He says, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. He serves, his whole life is about serving. And then he says, just follow my example and in doing that, I will bless you. So let's unpack some of these examples because he tells us that I have given you an example. So let's follow into what are these examples. So here's a couple of things that um, we can take from these examples that Jesus was giving us. I think the first thing is that anyone can be a servant as long as they have the heart of a servant. See, this thing that Jesus was getting into was a heart issue. It wasn't about acts. It wasn't about doing certain things. Have you ever wondered to yourself, what makes a servant? Is it because I go to an old age home and pray for people? Is it because I go around and give people meals? Or is it because I, I maybe tithe a massive amount? I, I give 90% of my salary. Or maybe I just give everyone I see in the street, I just give them money. The answer is no. Because I could clearly go around praying to old age homes because I said, okay, see, there's part of joining the eldership team, you go once a month and you go pray and I tick the box. I could clearly be going around giving people meals because I want that recognition and I want to be known at the churches. Man, this guy's gone to every home and he's given meals. I could also be tithing a lot or giving away money and just to be seen as better than everybody. Whatever that may be, but it's a heart issue that Jesus was talking about. He wasn't talking about acts. He wasn't talking about all of those things are great. Please continue doing that if you are. But what Jesus was saying, it's a heart issue. So that's the first thing. Anybody can be a servant as long as there is a heart of a servant. Rick Warren says this. He says, it is possible to serve in church for a lifetime without ever being a servant. You must have a servant's heart. So Rick Warren is speaking in the church context as the community of believers. But I think that that meaning can go broader in whichever way you're serving. The second thing, and um, is that serving is an attitude, not an action. And um, there's, 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 uh, there's a beautiful story that I love telling of how I got served or I got helped by so many people early in my faith and, and the heart that they had. So my background is such that um, when I got saved, in fact, I think all my friends uh, didn't believe it because the life that I had lived and, and, and it was one of those radical salvations. I remember I was at university and in my bedroom, I had, this, um, I had this poster that said sex, drugs, and alcohol. And I found a lot of my identity in that. So that tells you everything. I don't, I don't need to explain everything. I found a lot of my identity in that. Sex, drugs, and alcohol. And I love to display that poster. And people, people saw that was me. And I remember at that time I got saved. It was end of October. A month later, I finished my exams. And uh, after exams, there's a two-month break. Now, for the last four or five years or however long, all I had known was living a life that was consistent with that poster. And all of my friends had whittled down from very many to very few. And all I had was I was grasping and grappling with myself. I was struggling with temptation. I was struggling with all these things. These new friends that I found in church saw this in me. And they gave away their whole entire break. They said, let's do life together. They planned things each and every day. They said, look, let's do games there. Let's do movies. Let's do all of this. I'm giving you the summarized version because I didn't know that at that time. They gave me a story. I said, look, this is what we do on holidays. Do you want to join us? 
I didn't know the sacrifices they went through. They paid extra rent where they were staying. They, they picked me up from my house each and every day. They saw the struggle that was in my life and they sacrificed for something that was for a greater cause. And at that time, I was a barman. You can see the link there. I don't think I need to draw parallels. <laughs> I was a barman at the time. I was struggling with, um, I think at that time, I think I was an alcoholic. Yes, I probably was not. I think I was. And I was a barman. I paid a lot of my, my rent money, part of my school fees. All these things were dependent on my income. Problem number two. Again, I'm giving you the summarized version. This one friend says, listen, I need to concentrate on my studies. I coach at a primary school. I coach sport. Listen, I've got to honor a commitment. How about you take over and you coach and you do this thing? He was doing something there for me. He wanted me to get his job. I got some income. I got some relief from this temptation that I was struggling with. Incredible servant. Then it was a good job. A barman job was a really good job making money. So there's still a gap. The guys could see us struggling. I said, guys, let's serve in church. Let's put up a hot dog stand. Let's make burgers and eggs and all these things. And people will buy, we'll make some money. The guy who led this thing afterwards would really just split the money apart and say, this is yours, this is yours, this is yours. After some time, I realized between about five of us, I was getting about 80% of the income. They really went a mile to try and help me and serve me with what I was struggling with. And I can tell you, I'm appreciative of what they did for me during that time, and I'll never forget that. But can I say this? All of those guys right now, we're not close in each other's lives. And that's not a problem. That's not a problem. Sometimes God will have people in your, in your life for a season. And I think this is, this is so important in a community like Dubai. It can be so easy for us to say, I don't know how long I'm here for. So I'm going to keep to myself. I'm not going to serve. I'll stay at home. I'll know those few friends. And I won't do much. These people invested in me. Some of them, it was a one, two-year thing. But the change and the breakthrough changed the life. And the fourth thing is that Jesus was the ultimate servant. That seems quite obvious, but we'll look into this a little bit further. In Mark 10, verse 45, it says, For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And in Philippians 2, verse 5, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Jesus Christ. You see, we've got to have the mind of Christ in us. And the only way we can have the mind of Christ in us is if we know Christ. There's no other way. So I really want to encourage you to be a people that are seeking God, to be a people that are asking, what is God saying? What is Jesus Christ? What is his personality? What is he saying? What did he say to you this morning? Not of a Jesus that I heard about from someone. To know God, it says, let this mind be in you. Let this mind be in you. And then um, the other thing is that some people may find it easier to serve than others. And that's okay. My encouragement to you is that if you have a gift of serving, in Romans 12 verse 7 it says, If your gift is to serve, let him serve. Just, just go wild. If that is your gift, go wild. I know my wife is one of those people. They just love to serve. It's, it's just, it oozes out of them. Go wild. For the rest of us, allow God to change your heart. Allow God to do something in you that allows you to serve. It, it's not just for those who have a gift. So let's take a couple of um, examples of how Jesus served and what he did. 
saw a need and he moved. He saw a need and he moved to meet it. You see, for us to see a need and be able to move to meet it, we need to be in each other's lives. And I just want to encourage us on that one. We're starting these C4 groups and the intent is that we get to know each other, we get to connect. But we can't see each other's needs if we know each other from the periphery. If you just know me as that guy who sometimes MCs at church, there's not much you can move to meet. There's not much you can move to meet unless maybe you say, well, you don't speak well, you can move and help me with my speaking or whatever that may be. But there's not much you can do and move to meet. We had, a, we had, um, we had dinner recently with a, with a couple. And, um, and what we do is we just we share openly. We're over at our house, we have dinner, we share openly. And we shared how, for us, the season has been like winter in our marriage. You'll have seasons in your marriage where it's just like spring, everything's amazing. You just put your hand on something, it just flourishes. But this last year for us has been winter. It's been hard. It's been dry. I've, I've started a business venture. It almost failed. We've had so many deaths in our family. Just this month, my sister was telling me she's been attending a funeral every week. It has just been hard. It's been a tough season at work. My wife has struggled to get a job. It's just been hard. But God has blessed us. We are well. These people, I think at some stage, the one, the guy, it was George, dropped. He was like, this is what I thought of you. Of course, you will think one thing if you see me in front of the mic. But let's get to know each other. We ended off in that dinner. We prayed about something for them. They prayed about something for us. They found incredible value because apparently some things we had gone through in our journey and our marriage just met and resonated with them. Let's do life together. We cannot meet needs if we're just seeing each other from the periphery. So Jesus saw needs and he moved to meet them. But we cannot move to meet a need when we don't know each other. So let's get stuck into each other. Let's open up our houses. Let's get in. I love this picture of um, Andy. Is, uh, I was in a C4 group before. And uh, one of the things when I joined, I used to ring the doorbell. And people would laugh. Who is that? Who rings the doorbell in this group? It was just this open house. You're a family. And in our family, it's the same thing. My cousin comes over. He opens the house. He's like, hey, I'm here. Let's have that about each other. Get into church. Hey, I'm here. You make a coffee. Let's be a sticky community. The second thing was that he took initiative. Guys, we don't have to wait to hear from someone there's something being done. I think God has placed passions in our hearts. God has placed people around us. Use your passions. People around you have needs. Just go do it. You don't need to ask permission. If it's in line with God's will, let's do it. Number three is that he took off his robe. It says he took off his robe of greatness and and got down on his knees. You know, we live in a world that gives us titles. You are a certain position. We, we, we have all sorts of things. A certain race is like that. A certain culture group is like that. There are these crowns and titles and whatever that may be, these garments that the world almost forces us to wear. Can I say this? There is no place for that within the church. There is no place for classing a certain group, for classing a certain race, for taking what you are apparently according to man's view, put that aside and let God move your heart to serve. It doesn't matter where you go into. It could be a community that you've never been to. It could be talking to someone who's a race group that you've never really interacted with. Let God move your heart. And let's take off these robes and actually get serving. And number f- is it four and five? I, 
lost my numbers. But the next two is, um, he didn't announce what he was going to do he did it. And he also didn't wait for a thank you. He didn't receive one either. I tell you guys, it is difficult, we understand, to serve, to pour your heart out, to do whatever, and you never get a thank you. And it will happen. It will happen. Can I say this? That will happen more than the times that you will get a recognition. It's just the way it is. I love the way when we meet once a month as the eldership group, we just sit and chat and say, what's happening? Who do we need to pray for? And reality is, we don't know what the other person is doing. And we find that someone's really been pouring into a certain thing, and I haven't even given them a, hey, keep going, buddy, keep going. Not because we don't care about each other, but it just is the busyness of life. Let's get used to, I love what Harvey said, I'm doing it for the Father. I love what he said, I'm doing it for the Father, I'm doing it for God. It's great, and we will do our best to recognize what we see, and let's be a people that recognize each other. If you see your friend doing something, say, hey, that's really good, keep it up. But it will happen that we do not see what other people are doing. So let's get doing it, and let's be okay with not receiving a thank you. So what is this? Let's look at this blessing that he promises. So let's look into this a little bit more. So in verse 13, he sa- in verse 17, he says, Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Number one, serving allows us to discover and develop our spiritual gifts. You see, when we're in that place, when we're serving, we discover and develop our spiritual gift. In the church that we are part of in South Africa, there's an old man, he got... He gave his life to God when he was in his 60s. And he passed on very shortly afterwards. But in his two or three years as a Christian, the work and the ministry that he did was incredible. He tells us the story. He told the story where he was serving in a community. He was a builder. And he was serving in a community. One lady asked um, him to pray for her. And, um, and, then he, and then he prays. And it's something there. He says his heart broke. And he was weeping. This lady was weeping. She's healed of whatever illness that she had, and then from there, he just went on board. We would hear more ministry, more testimonies from Uncle Vim every week than what we would hear before that probably every couple of months. It was just in a place where he was serving, and God did something. God provides the opportunity. God empowers us. Something happened. He broke through. Number two, serving allows us to experience what God is doing. I want to turn to John 2 quickly and read a scripture. It's a scripture that we all very well know. If we can just go to John 2 and we'll read it. It says, on the third day, where there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there, Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the, when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the, to the servants, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it out. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine. And I'll stop there. 
who are the people who experienced the miracle? Such an incredible story. I've never, I've actually never seen it from this angle. I'm sure probably the master got told of this thing. The people that experienced the miracle were the servants. There's something about us serving, we get to see what God is doing. When we're in that place where we're submitted to God and serving, we get the opportunity to see God at work. Can you imagine that situation where you're the one bringing that, that water and you see Jesus turn it into wine? Your faith is so much different from the one who heard the story. See, I can tell Matt and say, Matt, this is what God did. But actually, when I saw him do it, very different. So serving allows us to experience what God is doing. Serving also helps us to be more like Jesus. You see, when we shift our focus off ourselves and we, we, we put our focus onto others, we start to get, our hearts start to get gripped by what others are going through. Our hearts start to fall in love with people. Our hearts start to meet with people. We move from this place where it's self and it's about people. It allows us to be more like Jesus. Serving also surrounds us with other Christians who can help us follow Jesus. You see, this is how God intended when we're walking and working side by side with people. There's something about hearts connecting. We're being shaped with, by each other. It's, it's iron sharpening iron. It allows us to grow in our walk and in our knowledge of God. Hebrews 10 verse 24 says this. It says, spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, but encouraging one another. There's something that happens as we serve. And lastly, serving increases our faith and experience God in new ways. You see, when we serve and we put in that place where many times when we are serving, we don't know what to do. That's the best place to be. I love the C4 discussion that we had. I think it was Wednesday. There was a leaders group. Many times we feel like we're not qualified, but God qualifies us. And we step out into territory where we do not know. We'll take one step and God empowers us. You're like, man, God, you're good. And then again, we step out in faith. God empowers us. God does something. Say, man, God is good. Your faith increases so much because you move from that place where you said, I can do it. Actually, when you're in a place when you, when you say, I cannot do it, you're in a good place because you're relying on God. You're relying on God to give you the, the strength. And I just want to end off with this is really as we go through this, we can really grab the practical and say, okay, that was a great learning and there's some practical. But actually, the thing here that God is after is changed hearts. The thing here that God is after is a heart that is submitted to Him and a heart that is directed by the Holy Spirit. We cannot do anything in our power. We can. I made that example earlier on. I can be going to old age homes. I can... Man, I can chalk up a list, and I, I've just, I've been, um, I've been criticized at work of sometimes just doing too much and stretching my team. I can get a list full. I can, I, I'll be at the old age home at nine o'clock, and then I'll do this at ten. And we can do that, but that matters nothing if we don't have a heart that is submitted to God, a heart that is out of love, in love, serve one another, and a heart and being empowered by the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to ask us to stand and for the band to come up.
So we're going to sing one more song of worship, and I think it will be a great response just to respond in worshiping God. But there are two things that I'd like to pray for us for. And I wonder if, you, if you're in any of those camps. Because what I'd like is, 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 is for us to respond by allowing God to change our hearts. To respond by allowing the Holy Spirit to do a work in us. So I'm just going to ask and I'm going to encourage us. There will be a ministry team up front. Is if, if that is you, you feel, God, I've tried to do things my own way. I haven't relied on the Holy Spirit. I haven't relied on your spirit. And I say, God, just I want you right now to do a work in me. I just want to pray for us if that is you. And if it is you as well, you say, God, I've, I've really tried at this thing. But actually, it hasn't been a hard thing. It's become a burden. It's wearing me down. Sometimes I actually don't even get the joy in serving. We just want God to do a work in your heart. It's not a bad place to be in. God knows I'm there at times. And it's my wife that brings me back into shock and says, Babes, why are we doing this thing? And God brings my heart back into it. Because we can, we can get running into things and almost do it like an agenda at work. So if that is you, I'm just going to ask for our eyes to be closed. example that you've set before us, Jesus Christ. We thank you for your servant life. You served to the point of death on the cross so that we could made, be made right with God. Lord, we want to follow your example. Lord, we want to be your hands and feet. We want to see you glorified in this world through us. We pray for servant hearts right now. I want to lift up each and every person in this room, my God. Lord, use them. Stir something inside of everyone's hearts right now. Holy Spirit, we invite you into everything we do. We ask, Holy Spirit, that we may work and go forth from a place where we are being guided, led, and counseled by you. I pray, my God, for each and every person in this room today. Give them a new energy whether it may be C4 group leaders, whether it may be people in the parking team, whether it may be whoever it is, in whatever capacity they're serving, give them a new capacity, give them fresh energy. Lord, I just pray for just people maybe raring to go and spur it on, my God. Do a work this morning. Lord, we glorify you. In Jesus' name.